Hi, I'm Richie Mackay. And I'm David Boyd, and you are listening to The Wrong Bias Podcast. And on today's show, we've got a couple of guests. This is our 13th show, so hopefully it'll not be too unlucky, but we've got Stuart Airy from Cumbria, who is coming on to talk about his distinguished career and some of the great times that he's had whilst he's played the sport. We've also got a little bit of a Brucey bonus on this show as well. George Babalevon from the Bulls Development Alliance. Now, due to the time constraints of the podcast, we've, we're going to do this as a bit of a, a separate information piece, uh, but this is going to be relevant for all clubs who need help or assistance or are worried about any of the issues surrounding the coronavirus and what effects it may have on the club. So there's some great information on there with regards to funding, help, what you can do, etc. Also on the show, we have got our usual competition sponsored by Alex Marshall Sports. And just in case anybody had thought that Richie had been furloughed, he's also going to be providing a little bit of a roundup. Obviously, there isn't going to be a great deal, but he has got some information to bring you. Right, mate, so here we are again, number 13, and it is, in the wedding anniversary terms, it's our lace, mate. Seems a bit... Oh, champion, that's a bit of a coincidence, because I've, uh, I've got lace underpants on today. Oh, too much information, mate, I thought we were going to say a lace thong or something like that. So how are you coping with this lockdown, mate? Me, personally, I'm, I'm all right. I'm, uh, I'm adhering to guidelines. The only journeys I've made are essential um, shopping or I've had to drop something, some shopping over for me parents. But apart from that, I'm still, we're still cracking on with work and I've had a couple of hospital trips right. as well, which has taken up a bit of time as well. And, and our, kidney, uh, our, kidney problems, our kidney stone problems being sorted? Well, it's the kidney stone's out. That, was, uh, that all went to plan. Yeah. Um, and then, without going into too much information, there was a stent put in place which which had a string attached which which came out of a certain place right. and, and all I, and all I'll say is if you imagine going to the toilet and looking at a party popper that's <laughs> where I was all so, I'll say is you probably remind can you remember them little wooden toys where you pull the string in the arm and the legs <laughs> jumped in yeah right. very Star- little toys <laughs> the, st- <laughs> the start jump <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, it was quite uncomfortable. So I had a, I had a, I had a tough week with that one because uh, it causes a few problems. I ended up in a on, on the following weekend, but thankfully it's out now and things are starting to get back to normal. Oh, well, so all good with that one. Very good. Watch what you're doing. Balls England have now released some keep fit videos. Have you yes, had a, mate. Have you had a little yeah, look I'm, at it, mate? I had a bit look at it the other day. Yeah, I was um, I was I was intrigued to have a look because uh, I just wanted to see what was on there. Great idea. Much needed. I've been very proactive and, and, I, and I think it's a, something that's sadly missed in our sport is is the fitness and activity side of things um, especially at the at the higher level yeah. but certainly in this current situation everybody does need to try and keep as active as possible I, I mean one thing that always springs to mind is when we have our Christmas break and even if you just have like 10 days where the yeah. centre's closed you go back in oh, you're, honestly, you're stiff as well, like, yeah. you? oh it's horrendous yeah. for the first couple yeah. of games so I can imagine what it's going to be like after two or three four months but you did you you actually did have the a little idea like this um, with the, the 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 girl that used to be on the Apprentice. I did, yeah, with Katie Goldmacoop. We came up with Ball Fit, which was a fantastic program. Um, we rolled it, we rolled it out, and I, I did a couple of classes um, at our local 
couple of local gyms, and yeah, um, yeah it was it was really really good. I, I sort of focused on a lot of age ranges, and people walked out really enjoyed it. Basically, it applied to everybody. You could you could do it as hard or as light as you wanted to do, and get as much out of it as what you could. But by God, when you walked out of there, you, you just don't realise what what muscle you're actually using. Yeah. I suppose. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and it's only when you do go back after not having played for a while that you realise, crazy, my right. legs is killing. Not me back's killing. Right. Yeah, by your hamstrings, it's 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 amazing. Yeah. Um, so it's a great idea, great great thing that Bulls England are promoting. Um, and I'm just waiting for for you to post a picture on Facebook with your leotard on, mate. Because I'm sure you've been doing it. Well, yes. Uh... I seen the fellow. What do you call the fellow who does the keep fit on the telly? He was on the other night. Uh, uh, Joel Wicks or something, is it? No, the the um the one that used to be on GMTV, Mr. Motivator. Oh, Mr. Motivator. Uh, just, right. just imagine me being Mr. Motivator, couldn't you? Um, I'm imagining you being more like Wincy Willis, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably right, mate. Right. I mean, I mean, my keep fit routine at the minute is stick me woolly hat on, stick the four boards in me comfy but rucksack bag, and go out the garden and walk round in a circle. <laughs> Is that what you're doing, is it? Well, it's a lot more than what I'm doing. I'm going to have to get started now that... Get uh, the old bin liner on, mate, now with the bowls bag on the back. i tell you what, it takes it out of you. And now we catch up with Cumbria's Stuart Airy. Hello. Hello, Stuart. How are you doing? All right, mate. Great stuff, mate. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Much appreciated. You're welcome. How are you uh, How are you managing through this uh, this little tough period? Oh, it's tough, isn't it? I think it's um, it's just so strange for everybody, isn't it? Especially people that's involved in sort of activities like bowls and sport like that. It's just alien to us all having to lock down and um, find other things to do. Bit of a culture shock to a lot of people, isn't it? I mean, like I say, I've, I've never known anything like it. And, and certainly, doesn't half make you have a look at things and think to yourself how much you take for granted at times, isn't it? Absolutely. I think the hardest part for most people is not being able to see their family and friends other than over the phone or FaceTime, things like that. It's tough that way. I'm still working in construction, so we've still got a couple of sites going that, uh, that they haven't closed, so we've got to continue that way. So I, I'm actually getting out of the house myself, but my wife and daughter, they're, they're stuck in working from home. Yeah, and I, I agree with I mean, that is the, you know, sport and activity and, and the bits and pieces that we do. I think I think that is the biggest thing that's hitting everybody at the minute is the, is the family side of things. Get back to some sort of normality. Stewie, I think the divorce rates will go up in, in the bowling circle, do you reckon? <laughs> I think they could, yeah, I think God, I've not uh, been used I, to be under the wife's feet, I'll tell you. Do you? <laughs> we'll never ever get complained that again for playing 19 times a week, will we? Christ, she's, <laughs> no. not. she's looking at the door saying, are you going out yet? <laughs> <laughs> so, right, we've talked about Cumbria a few times, Stuart, so obviously you got a bit of a mention on the on the last podcast as well, Mr Mackay. My uh, hero. What was your, what was your, what did you vote him there? The biggest ginger hair or something like that, was it? Benjamin, <laughs> the Benjamin Button of balls. <laughs> uh, uh, he still looks younger than me. First time I've seen you with top quality then, mate. It's been a long old road today. I've just been, uh, made some notes uh, the other day and I'm thinking back and all the, you know, the way back, 25, 30 oh, years ago, it all started. So it's, uh, it's a long time. My mum got me into balls. Born in Sunderland. Uh, we, we moved over to Cumbria when I was about five. Yeah. Um, and my, my dad was mad keen sportsman. Sunderland he used to uh, used to have a milk round and I think when Sunderland won the FA Cup in 
1973. He painted an milk float, red and white stripes. So I, he, he was mad keen on Sunderland then, and he was he was always into sport. My dad moved across to Cumbria 1976, and then he joined Workington. I was just eight or nine at the time, and then he um, he took ill in 1983. Actually died of a brain tumor, and that was the year that. My mum took me down to the club with my brother, so we joined in '83, the year he died, and that's when it all started. From there, from then on, it's, uh, it was all balls for me. So at that time, Stewie, when you when you obviously joined Workington, was there what? Who was who was sort of there of the what we would class as the the current crowd at Cumbria at the minute? The lads who have been there for for years and, and had so much success. Was there anybody starting at, a, at around about the similar time as yourself? Uh, there was a lot, David. Back back in um, back in that time, you know, when I started playing under twenty five, things like that. You know, I, I was playing with uh, some local lads that work in my brother uh, Ian Williams, Andrew James. That was our sort of form. We, we sort of grew together, and we were um, we were taught by Dan Leibon. You know. Is it the chill knowing me? The old guard knew, knew the game inside out. Absolutely proper gentleman, yeah. and I have a lot to thank him for because yeah. I sort of learned my, learned my trade from him. And, and he pushed and, a lot of the youngsters on and off, didn't he? Really, Stuart? Oh, he did. He was just bold all his life. Um, you know, his, his father played and things like that. And during that time, he, he took us under his wing, really. And then, as Davey mentioned, there was a lot of other players in the county, sort of Andrew Baxter, Stephen Ferdish, Paul Barlow, Trev Taylor coming through, and things like that. So, Cumbria was sort of blessed with a lot of good players during that period. To have that many youngsters come through at that particular time in such a small sort of, you know, Cumbria hasn't got multiple grains all the way throughout the county. So, you know, if you were to look at Cumbria as the as the grains per space of, of your county, you wouldn't sort of expect that amount of, of young lads to come through in that time. And it's funny what you were saying about, you know, how we, how we pushed the younger generation as well. That must have been quite a, an unusual thing. Um, it's it's certainly would have been in, in our county because when I first started 10 year olds there was people saying to me I couldn't even play on the team until I was 14 and that was if I was allowed on the green in, in some respects so how did that all sort of come together how did the lads all seem to congregate at, at that particular time was there a reason for it or was it just coincidence I think it's just coincidence David a lot of it you know Cumbria was always was always family based was always the mum and dad played or the grandparents played and you know we all sort of there was a lot of competitions in Cumbria then under 18 under 20 things like that the county supported youngsters and uh, when I was sort of late teens they sort of they put you in the middle cup team that you know they're seeing the, the potential there and, and, and we had it just seemed to be uh, freakish that throughout the county we had you know not just the names that I've named but there was others there was there was 10, 12 youngsters that could have played Middleton Cup level when they were 18, 19 it was it was just a bit of a freak, really. So is that Richie? Richie might be, you know. I don't want to. I don't want to press the fact that I'm a little younger than you too. But uh, <laughs> was that uh, was that sort of a common thing? It can't have been a common thing throughout the country. That Cumbria must have been sort of a bit of a pioneer from that point of view with with a lot of youngsters into the team, Stuart. Were they, or or am I sort of undermining some other counties across the country? Because it just for me seems as if you've always had that young crop of players coming through even from, from when I started Cumbria you know the under 25s were, were tremendous and the county really really put a lot of focus on the under 25s which like I say I might be wrong in saying but just didn't seem to be the same for a lot of other counties yeah I think the other counties maybe just didn't have as many when I got called up 
uh, under 25, 1990, I went down with uh, Graham Bypond, Andrew Baxter, and I think Neil Cards was in it. So there was four of us in the team then. But looking across the county, we could have had so many more, you know what I mean? The, the, the crop yeah. of youngsters that we had, I think the talent that, that there was a, in five or six players there was pretty good. Then the next batch of players came through maybe four or five years later. You had the likes of you know, Trevor, Richard Sampson, Craig Doherty, Gavin Taylor, Ian Gallagher, Richard Chandler. It, it, it was just... Just like you like, yeah, it was yeah. like waves of players coming through, and again, I'll have missed a few, you know, I could name many more. Whatever team we put out through the period of sort of 90s and things like that, it was just quality. I think, you know, we'll come on to the Denny Cup later on, but that was unbelievable, the teams that we had in, inside, in, indoor. Without a doubt. And we, we've sort of had that conversation how, you know, when we were at Sunderland, Sunderland back then weren't a bad team at all. We had some really great players, you know, a lot of, but Cumbria generally were always the stumbling block we would get to the Cumbria situation and never seem to get over that and it's just been year, years and years and years of just seeing absolutely tremendous bowlers come through and I question whether it has it been the fact of there hasn't been as many bowlers in the county or has it been that the counties have maybe not sort of pushed the same dynamics of as what Cumbria did at that time for, for the younger younger players because I've always said that younger players crave competition and they, they want to be doing well and the ones who particularly aren't you probably lose them but I just wonder whether that was something that Cumbria did different to everybody else which is why you've had so much success over the years nothing much different David no it just seems to be we had that many players available youngsters you know through families through clubs encouraging youngsters you know, the, the under 25 singles tournaments we used to have it, it used to be packed you know the crowds used to come and watch and every game you played it was quality you, you know you didn't just play two rounds and get to the final it was like an all day five five rounds to get to the final of a county in 25 and every single one of those lads will have been pushing each other all of the time one because you know you, that, that was a big old crop of lads to be trying to get to the top of the tree of so I can't have done anything less than just push on the talent on a constant basis because I've got no doubt like I say you've mentioned a load of them there correct? You, you would look at those in a field at any time and, th- and that was going to be tough enough but any yeah. new lads if they wanted to learn the game weren't going to fail by playing in amongst that uh, that group um, it's just like I say it, it's, it has been phenomenal and it's, it's been a pleasure to watch in a lot of respects for all it's been heartbreaking at times that we could never quite get the better of you it's <laughs> um, you know I class Cumbria as my second county I've got so many good friends up there Do you think the influence when you all came together the likes of John Bell uh, Ronnie Gass Tommy Armstrong, yeah. David David Taylor, all sort of like the nurtured years, and then then sort of like later on that they stood back and let you get on with it. Absolutely, Richie. You know, played the young players that I've mentioned could be eight, nine, ten of us there. We we were really fortunate because if you look at the Denny Cup, it was all them eight, eight, nine, ten youngsters. Yeah. But we were playing with John Bell, David Taylor, Neil Curry, Ronnie Gatt, Ian Crothers, Ray Graham, Hugh Thompson. You know, they're all international players. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that, and our Denny Cup was it was just phenomenal at the time. When I think I looked, I counted up that one Denny Cup side, there was at least 12 either current or past internationals in the side. Yeah, tremendous. And yeah. it was just, we were just lucky to have that crop of players at that time. Yeah, I mean, you under 25s, double fours, five out of six years of the 90s. Again, you know, we just look, 
we were lucky in, in as much as we had a good crop of players come through together and, yeah. and then players are still you know the likes of Stevie and Paul and myself Trevor we're still playing reasonably well now you know 35 years on Having played against you in the county outdoors the style of your play was was, was something new I was looking I'm going second man get amongst us and it's is that something that the youngins sort of like brought on themselves and the likes of John Bell says yeah fair enough get amongst it if the head's against you get amongst it you know it's like when you're younger you're fearless aren't you? yeah. and you and in, in, uh, in the indoor at the Denny Cup we had a lot of Scottish influence right. Neil Curry and, and Hugh Thompson Chuggy you know and they just used to attack you know if you're in trouble attack early now I've said Dan Leibon learned, learned me a lot about balls but you learn a lot from good players and, and people that don't learn their own fault because yeah. when you're playing with good players and you don't take it in what they're doing and how they're playing the game how they're reading the head that's a lot to do with for me players turn into great players by learning off that's right great right. players if you kind of feed off, if you kind of feed off it and, and lift your own game I've always said if you play with good players you, you raise your own game if you play with it no disrespect to anybody but if you play with a, a, a public player it'll, it'll drag you down to their level and that's not being disrespectful I know what you're saying when you learn from the best like the John you know John Bell was kind of you know skipping in indoor and outdoor yeah. for England the likes of them players you know Andrew Baxter and Paul grew up with John Bell so they they kind of learned their trade from him you can see why you know the good players but they turned into great players because of who brought them up I think well, you, you never stop learning neither do you I was, I was you know there's many a time I'm, I'll still speak to Jimmy Lambert you know he was at our club and ex-international and, and for me one of the greatest players to pick a ball up in my opinion and, and it's you know the, the day you think you've you've learned it all and you don't need any more help is the day your game will probably start to suffer and, and there's times I'll walk across to Jimmy and I'll just say I, I just don't, I don't feel like this is particularly right or you know you can tell in your own game that, that something's not there and, and the amount of times Jimmy's just turned around to us and just said get through it you know it, it's, it's in your head and he's so right and, and it's, it just takes somebody like that just to, to watch and, and have a look at yeah, you know you mentioned Jimmy there you know I, I went through a couple of years when I was struggling I did a little bit of the yips and, and my form wasn't great and I'd, I'd give Jimmy a ring and uh, I think you, you maybe recall it I came across the Sunland to see Jimmy and Gary and, and yourself just before I, I played you, you know, did, man, yeah. I came to see Jimmy and you know not even a same team player as me he, he, but he, he helped me out you know what I mean he just gave me that confidence back um, he's the type of player that you know you looked up to and, and he's the type of player that helped me out at, at a time when I was struggling a wee bit so you know thank him for that yeah definitely he's, he's a top bloke and like I say he's, he still comes to he, he plays in the leagues with us at South Shields and the few times I've sort of said I wonder how many of the people who are walking past him in the in the Bulls club actually realise what what a top player he actually was. Moving on from your early playing days, we've talked about some of the players that you've played with in your local county, but then you moved into the international team, Stewie, and wouldn't be wrong in saying that you've probably played with some of the best players in the world. Well, again, I was I was lucky, you know, I got my first cap in, I think it was 92 in Lan, and I, I actually um, took a place of a, a player you'll know well, Cliffy Simpson, playing number two for Tony, so I went straight in that ring, Tommy Armstrong was at three, uh, I think Ian Crothers was leading, and you know, I spent the next 16 years, I think it was 16 seasons playing two for Tony and you know to play with a guy like that, what I learned off him, just playing trials and internationals was priceless, wonderful player, wonderful talent, wonderful man and he taught me a lot just by me watching what he did on the green, how he how he skipped, you know how he played the right shot at the right time under pressure, he was unbelievable and 
and what an experience to play for a guy like him. I've heard it said before, and you you'd be the the ideal man to, to sort of say this, but we all know, you know, if you if you're part of the international setup, you the draw comes out for what the series is going to be, and you see who you're playing against. And I was always told, for all Bryant was, you know, he's probably recognised as, as the greatest in the world ever. Tony was always the one that people didn't want to draw, be drawn against. You know, from what I've heard through unorthodox style um, and and some of the balls that he could play, just people just did not want to play against him. Well, absolutely not. I, I didn't get to play in the same international team as Brian. I think I did one year indoor, but outdoor, he just retired. You know, different eras, but what Tony told me about Brian, he was just unbelievable. If Tony's saying that about a guy, he, he, he means it. So, But yeah, going back to you, what, you, what you said about Tony, yeah, you know, I just loved playing with him and Tommy and whoever was leading. We had we had a few leads through the years. Um, Tony used to recycle his leads quite often. Believe it or not, it was just a, it was just a case of different players coming through at different different times, and we, and we had it. We had three or four leads during that 16-year, whatever it was. I think I had my uh, first England trial in 91, and it was actually Tony Alcock was skipping against us, Tommy Armstrong was three, Cliffy Simpson was two, and a lad called Richard Hart yeah. was leading in, and I took him yeah. in the cleaners, and the poor lad lost his place. <laughs> so I apologise. <laughs> I'm not surprised he lost his place if you took him in the cleaners. <laughs> <laughs> Left-handed as well. He probably never played county again. <laughs> <laughs> Fair point. Only <laughs> <laughs> joking, we're only joking. Whoever we played internationally, they, you know, they didn't, uh, they didn't want Tony. That was for sure. Oh, um, he, I must admit, uh, in in that trial, he, he's very, he, he's, I don't know, he's very abrupt with the lead. Maybe he's he's very focused. Is he Tony? Tony's, um, he, he doesn't, you know, he's a winner. Yeah, uh, an absolute winner. And and again, the difference between good players and great players is will to win. Yeah, you know. Tony on the the Bulls England uh, YouTube channel, uh, their first the first podcast that we did, they did with him, and I think it was there um, that, that he, he talked about how two or three of his players had turned around and said it's the first time they've ever had an absolute bollocking for being fourteen up in a game or something. Because I think he um, he was that competitive and wanted to make sure that players were that sharp all of the time that he he took his players into the middle of the green when they were fourteen up and gave them an absolute thousand because the the played a bad end and he, he turned around and says you know. If, this continues potentially lose the game and give them a bollocking for, for having that bad end and, and that probably just shows the calibre of the man and, and I think you've just hit the nail on the head where you've turned around and said that he's England through and through I've seen him at British Isles Championships and other championships where there is just not another team there it doesn't matter how you're playing as, a, as an England player he doesn't care he will back you and he'll support you throughout Absolutely He's been a great, great ambassador, a great player, and um, the will to win was unbelievable. So, you know, I, I enjoyed every minute of playing international balls with him. So you, you must have been proud when you were handed the captain's armband, mate. Well, when Tony, when Tony retired um, from international, I must have thought, well, better, you know, he's been number two for 16 years, yeah, better give him a chance up at <laughs> the back end. So have right I, was cramp. Kind of, <laughs> I was kind of ready for it. <laughs> 
Roundup. Cue the music. What a year of sport 2021 will be. The European Football Championships, the Olympic Games in Japan, well now you can add the World Bowls Championships, as a new date has been confirmed for the event due to take place on the Gold Coast Queensland Australia, now scheduled for May the 25th to June the 6th 2021. Bowls England have been working alongside the Institute of Groundsmanship to produce a guide for clubs regarding ongoing maintenance and what work needs to be done during this crisis. It might well be worth clubs passing it on to the local council. Hint, hint. News from the AIBA. Their planned annual general meeting on May the 16th, as expected, was cancelled. Closing date for the AIBA National Championship entries has been extended to June the 7th. And fingers crossed, if we can get back to business later this year, the AIBA have provisionally made the period Monday the 14th of September to Monday the 12th of October to complete the cancelled National Championships. And news from the Short Mat Players Tour. It's time to vote for the Players' Player of the Season. There are seven nominations. There's one Belgium, one Englishman, two Swedes and three from Ireland. The nominees are Ireland's Mark Beattie, Sweden's Benny Schorgin, England's Alec Cayley, Ireland's Gary McNabb, Belgium, yes that's Belgium, Jonathan Payne, Ireland Nathan Hare, Sweden Jonas Hagar. All votes must be received by the... SMPT before 8pm on Tuesday the 26th of May with the winner announced on the website on Sunday the 31st of May. And that's all from me. Do I still get paid for that short report, mate? And now we return to Stuart Airy. You've had some amazing experiences, um, no 
doubt a lot of highs and some lows in your in your career as well, Stu. And you've you've travelled, you know, you've travelled the world. Any of your experiences stick out more than others? I think in the early days, you know, after after two or three years of playing international, the out of the blue, the England select asked me and Andy Wills to go to Hong Kong. Now back then, it was always sort of established players that were getting the, the trips everywhere. We were kind of shocked to get uh, an invite over to the Hong Kong Classic. You know, back then, no disrespect to the tournament now, but all the top players used to go there. You know, used to get tight. Tati was always there. Gula and Greenslade, Tony and Johnny used to go. And it was a top, top quality uh, tournament. And I think it was 1996 was our first year. And we did all right. Um, we ended up going four years on the trot. We won it twice. And, you know, wonderful experience. Just to gain that experience of overseas play against top quality opposition. That was one of the things that England pushed on from there. That they, they wanted the sort of fringe players of getting into these squads to get some experience overseas yeah. and for me you know going over there and that was a great great challenge for us and that's the, that's the sort of tournaments I loved I just loved challenging myself against them sort of players on different rings and you know, different heat and it was just wonderful experience that must have put you in great stead for what was to happen in the future as well obviously Commonwealth Games that you, you've been to playing against the best can only put you in a, in a better frame of mind and better shape for being able to compete for medals when you're going across those major championships absolutely I was selected for World Bowls Johannesburg 2000 I think that was the team was Ottawa Andy Thompson Tony Davey Holt so that was the five of us I couldn't believe my luck I was playing pretty good at the time we went to Joburg it wasn't a brilliant experience to be honest the, um, the security factor over there and we there was a couple of instances where we were a bit scared where we were staying in a hotel uh, went out to practice one night come back on the team bus and it was surrounded by police it was locked down just been um, the restaurant was held up by armed robbers that night it was a bit of a scary uh, situation to be in okay. I was just kind of young at that, that time and um, you know the plane wise Joburg was there was four greens together but they just I think they just laid two of them they didn't have four together so two of the greens were pretty average to be honest you know if you can imagine Stokes was on a good day I've not put that one out Stewie <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks for being on the show, Stu. We'll, uh, <laughs> uh, it, was a, it was a bit of a challenge, I tell you. So it was two of the greens were pretty good, two of them were pretty awful. So I didn't, I, I enjoyed the experience, but I didn't enjoy playing on them. Move, you know, moving on, and um, John Bell put an uh, elite squad together for Delhi, um, and they, he managed to get. Uh, we got we got a fair bit of backing by the the lottery, so they got a bit of funding for Delhi. The program that they put together for Delhi was fantastic. You know, we had we had an elite squad for eighteen months, and we went all over the place playing in top quality matches against top quality opposition. And um, I think Johnny took us to um, the Aussie Open the year before Delhi, and that was as a squad. So you know, it was, I was I was paired up with Merv at that time. Delhi was only three event, and um, you're only allowed to play in one. So the sort of uh, the squad was kind of picked on all the things leading up to Delhi, and and, and me and Merv were put together, and, and it was just a sort of match made in heaven, really. Merv, what a great guy, on and off the green, he just he, he couldn't find somebody better to play with in my eyes. We had some great time. You know, we ended up we won the Aussie Opens uh, before we went to Delhi. Played out in Spain. We played at uh, the Wanderers in South Africa, Joburg, the Atlantics, and things like that. It was just a great program, and and Johnny Bell and his uh, management. Team. He had, he had Gail, 
and uh, Tommy Armstrong and Pip, great, great managers that really looked after us all. And by the time we get got to Delhi, we were just in tip-top form, played that many games, and he just drilled in this winning mentality into everybody. So, you know, for me, when we got to Delhi, we were just in great shape, something I've never been involved in before, a programme like that. And I don't think England has seen had a programme like that. It's probably short with results as well. Um, I mean, you had a fantastic Delhi, didn't you? It, it, it proved that that preparation obviously reaped the benefits. Listening to you there, it sort of relates, uh, or it seems to relate very much to the way Scotland go about things at the moment. They put a lot into their elite teams and, and, and it's no surprise that they're continually knocking gold, silvers and bronze at the Commonwealth Games as well. Yeah, you know, Scotland's squad they've had for the last 10, 15 years, it's there to be seen, you know, the, the medals they've won is, is unbelievable. You know, going back to Delhi, yeah, I think because we're only allowed to play in one event, we, we, we medalled in five out of six events. Who was Sammy was the only one to miss out in the singles and he was really unlucky. He lost his game against, I think it was Robert Wheel for the medal game and then ended up losing his bronze match to, uh, I believe it was Gary Kelly, if I remember rightly. And, and you know, Sammy just missed out but, you know, you're saying about ups and downs. Delhi was, for me, a brilliant experience, brilliant programme and we ended up losing uh, the gold uh, like I think everybody will, will know about. We ended up fixing up the last and lost, uh, lost the six. It was a weird one because Delhi was a high point in my career and, and build up to it but the low point for losing a gold medal was hard for a few years you know it took with me but now you know I'm, I'm fine with it I actually believe it or not I got a call of my, one of my best friend Graham Wright Monday. he comes and watches me everywhere and you know travel travel together he came out he actually came out to Hong Kong twice to watch been out to Australia and things like that great supporter great friend of mine he phoned me yesterday to say that Delhi's been uploaded onto the um, YouTube uh, the final and it, I watched yesterday for the first time and <laughs> Unbelievable, really. When I watched that game, I've never seen it before. You know, I remember it so well playing in it, but I actually watched it yesterday, so it was a bit, bit of a weird one. I managed to see the, the last end, Stuart. It, it just looked like one of them ends that you saw, like, you're six up and you say, well, I'm not going to drop a six here. And it just seems as if it just built up and built up and built up and you start saying, well, I'll get in with me first, I'll get in with me second. Yeah. And, then, and then you saw, like, walking down with the last one. Oh. I know. It, was, it, was, um, it came out of nothing, really, but yeah. it, actually, the the end that we that lost us it was probably the two ends before that because we we lost a we were actually nine up to play we lost a three right um which which let them play the last end uh, now it wasn't a bad end we played we just ended up losing a three and then the end before that I had a chance to draw another to go fourteen four instead of thirteen four right and I just hung wide you know the card that was it was very very tricky it was, yeah. it was playable that's the sort of thing that sort of I liked myself because it was tricky and you could work rinks out playing on sort of carpet outdoor. Oh, it was a bit of a strange one. Yeah. But I mean, even when the lad had the last ball, I mean, I'm looking at it, I'm going to myself, well, he'll do well to get out to that with the right weight to lift it out because with the, I think there was a ball about eight, six inches in front of it. And yeah, I think the reason... The only way you could get out, he was a left-hander. You know, Jerry Baker, great, great friend of mine again, great player. Left-hander, he, he got a bit of a bend on the wide line. Now, yeah. everybody else played the wide line and never got back. No. But he, he just seemed to get a turn from nowhere. I mean, even you know? a little feather on that short ball, he wouldn't. then he wouldn't have gotten a hold of your, no, your, your ball to no, lift no. it out enough, would he? Listen, mate, I, I've played a long, long time and ups and downs. you just got to accept it and yeah. move on, you know. I know it's a it's a massive game, gold medal and all that. But at the end of the day, you know you win some, you lose some, and you move on. So I, I accept it, you know. Well, well, didn't go and sit in the corner after we've dug it up because Bortley likes to dig things <laughs> up, you know. <laughs> Well, I haven't, uh, I haven't watched it for a while, like so I might have a watch of it later on. But uh, no, to be honest with you, I, I remember 
sure I remember watching it at the time and um, well, you know a lot of people have been there and if not all of us and it's it's, it's hindsight's a wonderful thing isn't it you, you probably look at it and you could look at it another 10 times and think what could I have done differently but that's what this sport is all about and the, the unfortunate thing about this sport is sometimes you just haven't got control over your, your destiny you just got to accept it don't you move on it's the equivalent of a goalkeeper letting the ball through his legs or, or a striker missing a missing a goal from, from a yard out and putting it over the, bar, the, the top of the bar that we've seen in the past. It, it's a, you know, when you, you, you could continue to look at it and get yourself more and more frustrated, more down about it, but there's absolutely nothing you can do about it, so you've just got to move on. Yeah, absolutely. Going back to that squad of Delhi, you know, the, the team, I think it was Sammy, Matt Bantock, Shadders and Rob, that was that was the men's. It was um, Sean, Ellen, Jamie, Lee, Sandy, and Amy. You know, it was the same environment we had. We, we were staying in the same sort of building, the same apartment, and the management team always had us together. You know, Johnny used to, to organise sort of quizzes and things like that at night. So we're always together. We're always enjoying each other's company. And um, I remember a funny story. I remember one night Tommy, Pip, Gale, and Johnny were the management team. He, he, he organised this quiz and split us up into fours. And I, I remember, you know, Mark. Mark Bantock is a good lad, funny lad, and Johnny was asking these questions, and I think I was in the team with Mark, Jamie Lee, and Tommy, and the question was, how many funnels does the did the Titanic have? And Mark, quick, quick as a tack, he says, um, come on, Tommy, you, you're bound to know that. Tommy turned and, you know, give him one of his glares. <laughs> and, and, and how do you make that out, Mark? And he says, well, you were on it. <laughs> from Stuart later in the show. There now follows a partly political broadcast on behalf of Lawn Balls. Something new, something old. And this famous statue of Drake at Plymouth Hoe symbolises not only our great seafaring tradition, but also a game he made famous, Bowls. Few people hadn't heard the story of the game he refused to interrupt as the Spanish Armada approached. Today, with the introduction to this country of the American 10-pin bowling, our own traditional game is enjoying a revival in popularity one that is being fostered by an indoor bowling green at a Bogner holiday camp. With this apparently simple but nevertheless revolutionary innovation, the game can now be played all the year round. And while the experts might be conscious of the playing qualities of matting as opposed to grass, it does still provide an excellent opportunity for people who would not otherwise have the chance to try their hand at the game. The rules are, of course, too complex to explain in the limited time we have, but the main object is to place the bowls, or woods as they're called, as near to the white ball, or jack, as possible. Each of the woods has a bias so that it can curve round a group of others to get at the jack. Bowling is generally considered to be second only to archery as the oldest of English sports, but there's certainly nothing antiquated about this very skilled game. In fact, it's something in which one has to participate to appreciate. Try it and see. And now it's time for a little history lesson. Did you know, in 1511, that well-known bowler, King Henry VIII, declared it illegal for commoners to play the game? Anyone caught breaking the law was fined the princely sum of six shillings and eightpence. However... It may not be common knowledge that his second wife, Anne Boleyn, also played, and that a heavy loss in the national mixed pairs for the husband and wife partnership hastened her demise. That's a useless fact brought to you by a fella who cannot pronounce Welsh names. I thank you. And now we return to Stuart Airy. 
hard time as well, mate, I've no doubt. And possibly, uh, I think that's part of the reason why you decided to, to retire from the international setup because you'd, you'd had a lot of time that you'd put in the balls and, and sacrificed a lot of family time as well. Yeah, and uh, looking back, when, when you're playing sport at a level, you've got to be kind of, you are selfish. You know, I have been away a lot in my early days and, uh, you know, I must thank my wife and you know, my daughter, now nearly 20. So, you know, when I was a teenager, you took, took for granted that your mum and, you know, my stepfather used to take me around the county, around the country playing balls. And I think when he got to Glasgow, the next Commonwealth who was involved in 2014, I just felt that I think I need to just give a little. And I think time for somebody else to take the cap and see it all over. And that having me three years later, wonder you retired, you must have thought <laughs> things are not getting any better, are you? <laughs> I enjoyed it when you were playing three, Davey. It was good crack. You know, I, I just don't think the team was getting sort of settled every year for me. It was all a bit moving players around. And you never used to get that in the old days, you know. And the likes of you, you had skips like John Bell and Tony and David Ward, Andy Thompson, absolute top quality skips. And they were just skipping year in, year out. I think nowadays, Bobby, you've got a bit more settled team now. There's just starting to chop and change a bit more. Probably agree with you there, Stu. At that time, did appear to be very choppy and changing, which I just don't think benefits anybody in the long run. No, if you can get a settled side, you're, you're laughing, really. You are listening to the Wrong Bias Podcast. And the, the game of boards in general, what's your yeah. overall opinion, the way the game is at the minute, mate? I was lucky, I was I was brought up in a, I thought a good time, you know, through 90s and then 2000s. Yeah. The, the game of balls, for me, it's got to a stage where I think there's too much to play. People, now I don't know whose fault that is, they're not as, I don't think they're as competitive as they used to be. I'm talking maybe nationals and, you know, just, just from experience, our indoor at the moment, we, we don't have three or four entries in the fours, you know. We, we, no. it, it's, it has fell away, hasn't it? 10, 15 years ago, you used to play and it was 20, 30 entries in the fours. Yeah. I don't know what's happened there really, but the game of balls at the moment, for me, you know, I just play at the moment whatever I want to play in. I don't play in anything I don't want to play in, if that makes sense. I know players still enter four, five, six, seven tournaments and that's up to them. It's, you know, I, I was like that when I was in my 20s. I used to play in everything. Yeah. But I think players just need to pick and choose a bit more because you often hear players think, saying to themselves, saying to them, mate, oh, I'm not playing again next week. I'm playing again tomorrow night. I said, well, you, you've entered all these competitions. Yeah, it starts to feel like a nine-to-five job, doesn't it? Yeah. The talent's still there in the in the in the elite squads. I think you know the squads that have been picked these last few times. It's amazing teams, you know that the likes of even, you know the girls like Sean and Ellen and Natalie. Yeah. And so a, a lot of time for them and great great players, great girls. And I think there's a lot of potential still in in England, especially with the with the squads that we're picking. Uh, for me, you know, I, I have my own opinions of how they're managed, but they've got a new elite uh, management team now, and, and I wish them all the best, you know, with uh, John McGuinness taking over that with Kirk and, and, and the other management team. Uh, you know, I wish them all the luck in the world, all the medals they can win, you know, good luck to them, and, and they've got great squads, great people. So, but the game of balls itself, I don't, I don't know, Richard, it's, 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 you can ask different people and you get different answers. I, I think have seen the best of it, but that's just my opinion because yeah. I've played through that period. I, I think you're right, mate. I think it, it, they made a picture of the class of 92 for the football for the Man United. Well, I think if, yeah. ever, if ever they'd done a balls one, mate, they'd make a one at Cumbria in the class of the 90s because you set the bar for me. The outdoor game has suffered because of 
the balls that are being used now. I mean, you know, we talked. Was it was it Vital Lights or Tyrrell Lights who used to play with ship? Tyrrell Lights, grandfathers. No, just I've I've always had this argument. People keep twisting and moaning about the state of greens and how the greens didn't play the way they used to and all this, but people forget that we used to play with lignoids and tyrolites and, and, you know, bigger swinging balls outdoors, so you were using more greens on the outdoor surfaces and you look at a majority of greens now and you'd be lucky if you're using three foot across the middle because you're just playing two or three balls at one side and four or five balls up the other and everything's just funneled down the centre of the rinks, whereas back in the days you used to, you know, you used to hear people turn around even even when I'm going back now to uh, 88 when, when I started people used to turn around and say ah, you can you can get all the way out of the strings because they used to string the greens and you can get all the way out there and it'll swing all the way back you know you'd be lucky if you find five greens in the UK now that can do that the, the balls just do not sort of assist with how the greens should be playing do you agree? I do you know obviously they've got tighter and tighter as the year's gone on Trevor is our, our indoor manager and got some old Henselites that he used to play with outdoor and tried them indoor and they're huge. Yeah. You know, they're going into two foot, three foot into the next ring on the indoor and we used to play with them all the time indoor. And I used to play with my Tidalites indoor in the early 90s. Andrew Baxter had the old Henselite uh, classics and it used to be going into the middle of the next ring but that's what we used to play with. That's what we used to. Basically, you're banging your head against the wall because both manufacturers these days, they're never going to change. It's all about selling coloured balls and they're generally, generally tighter than what they used to be. We'll start the campaign off, Stewie. Everybody to play with two alike. <laughs> I've still got them. Have you still got them, mate? Uh, Tremendous. Great, great competition idea, mind, for outdoors, is to, is to arrange a competition where everybody plays with lignites. Then you'd find out who the better players were in the, <laughs> in the competition. But, um, getting away, just quickly getting away from the ball, Stewie, there's, there's a couple of things. Well, I knew of one, but um, a couple of interesting facts um, from your family. When I was born in Sunderland, we, we actually lived next door to, it was my grandfather's brother, so our cousins were next door and grew up as musicians. And one of them, I think he started off with uh, Rainbow and Ozzy Osbourne, he's now still touring with Deep Purple, Don Eric. He's still got a house in, in Seam, actually, but he lives down in, in Cambridge. He's a, he's a very successful keyboard player, playing with Deep Purple at the moment. He, he comes up to Seam when Sunderland are playing at home. Not sure why he wants to go and watch them now. Like, but, you Easy, know, Tiger. He, uh, Easy. Man, I'll wear man. Move along. <laughs> you have got Mac and Blood in you, you know. Hey, there's, there's no wrong with playing Fleetwood. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, just part of a, a extremely talented family. Right. What we will do is we'll uh, we'll quickly move on to my seven of questions, if that's all right. Just seven uh, questions off the cuff, Ben. So, what's the favourite green you've ever played on, Stu? I used to love playing at Stanley in the day. Was it when they got the new carpet and it was like pre-blue carpet? We call it outdoor. It's got to be the Gold Coast, Broadbeach. I love playing on greens like that. Anything that's got a bit of pace in it, David. Really great stuff. Favourite balls you ever used? I think I've got to say um, Eternal Light back in the day. Ronaldo or Messi? Ronaldo every day. Best match you've ever played in? 95. I won the pairs indoor with David Taylor. He's qualified us for the World Pairs at Preston Guildhall. We were drawn against Old Cock and Bright in the first round. Horrible draw for us. We managed to, I don't know how, but we beat them. 
in the first round. They were on for about five-time World Pairs champions on the truck. Got to be my greatest game I've been involved in. Toughest opponent, either team or individual. Gordon Bennett. Go on to say, I've never played against Gordon Bennett. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's a baller, but I don't want to play him. <laughs> Locally, uh, I always have battles with Stevie Fairish. What a you know, competitor. Play against Belly a lot, but a comp- competitor he was in his, in, his, in his day. He was just so tough to beat. Great stuff, mate. Knowing your love for the uh, yellow fruit, would you either have a banana or a Cumberland sausage? Uh, I don't eat sausage. When I was five in Sunderland, my mum fed me on many years mate absolute star and a real credit to the sport oh, thanks for that boys you know it's been uh, it's been great just um, looking back really and we have got long enough and people don't want to listen to me Robert not anyway so <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks very much for uh, I'm me. sure you I'm sure you'd be wrong mate you've got a lot of friends throughout the throughout the country throughout the world um, you've made it you know you've, you've made some great friends in the sport and I'm sure there'll be a lot of people who will enjoy listening as well um, but thanks for coming on mate it's been an absolute pleasure one of my like I said it last week one of my great friends in the game so it's been nice to, to sort of reminisce a little bit with you mate and listen to your career so thanks very much for coming on hey welcome thanks very much And the competition for this week, uh, sponsored by Alex Marshall Sports, question is going to be, we heard Stuart talking about his career, um, but we're going to go right back to the start, and he mentioned his dad, and what we want to know is, what was his dad's occupation? As soon as you get the answer, drop us it either on the Facebook page, email wrong.bias at hotmail.com, or drop us a comment on Twitter. All competition entries will go into a pot, and as usual, there will be a draw on our little wheel of steel for the prize. Just want to drop in, anybody who has won prizes previously, please don't think we've forgotten about you due to the current circumstances, limited stuff that can be sent through Royal Mail at the moment. So if you haven't had your merchandise from Wrong Bias, then please don't worry about it. We will make sure you get it to you. We have got the information, and at first opportunity, we will send it. And here's a little bonus. To show how professional we are, I never dial the wrong number. Do I, mate? Hello. Can you hear him, Davey? Hello. Did, did you catch? Hello. Did you caught each other? Can Who's you, that? Can you hear each other? Yeah. Davey, can you hear George? Is that George on the phone there? Yeah. It's Stuart. That's George. Oh, it's Stuart. Oh, Stuart's too. Get yourself back to bed, son. 
He's rung, a, he's rung the wrong person. He's flipping useless, he is. I've rung... I've, get yourself back to bed, son. Get yourself back to bed. Half an hour. Ta-da. Bye. <laughs> and we know who wears the trousers, Mr. Bolt, in your household. Is there, would there be any problem if it means you haven't set up again? We can just continue to do it now. I'm just, I'm on turkey duties and I haven't, I need to, that's gone on a little bit longer than what I thought. So I just need to, I just need to get the turkey prepped and get the turkey in. Is there any I, chance? No, no, you're alright. I'll take about 10 minutes. And in the words of the Irish comedian Jimmy Cricket, and there's more. Give us, I uh, give us about 20 minutes because I'll, um, I've just got a, I've got a stuff it with butter and all of that malarkey, so. Um, you, you do realise that God bloop is this as well. Alright, stuff it turkey. Well, mate, um, before we finish, the emails keep coming through. And the, the reason why we decided to do the podcast, you've probably been hit on the head by two or three emails that we've had recently. We had one from a young lad who used to play balls and he came across the podcast by mistake, I think. Um, he listened to it, enjoyed it happily, and he's going to start playing the game again. And we had another one, which I actually loved, where he said, it's just like you're chatting to pals over a few pints. Really hit hit the the idea on the head, mate, really. Definitely, yeah, that's all That's all we set out to do, wasn't it? It wasn't going to be anything too heavy, was it? We didn't want it to be facts, facts, facts and, and same, same sort of up-to-date information. We yeah. wanted to have a, a chat to a, a wide range of people and, and friends and, and just hopefully it, it does come across that way. We just, we just we do have a laugh, do we? we two we'll lads have, kicking well, the can down the street. We are, I mean, like I say... Christmas time is going to be the amount of bloopers that's going to be on this Christmas time. Just, be, just before we recorded this little bit, I made about seventeen errors. My head was in bits. And I, honest, oh. I did, honest, I didn't, re- I didn't ring the wrong number. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, two guests on the day, and we went to ring one guest, and we got the other one. Uh, we, we've had a good morning this morning. The coronavirus is definitely having an effect. But no, like I said, it's, it, it is. A, it's a, it's a really good laugh, and if it is inspiring people to get back out on the green. Or it is just giving people a bit of time to kill and, and enjoy listening to what we do, then that's that's all yeah. we're bothered about. We had, we had another one from a local lad who, I mean, you've, you've said it probably on three or four podcasts about the Bowlsburg. Well, the Bowlsburg bit, bit him. He got invited invited to go and play, and he, he's loved it after going through a bit of a rough time. So the... and it's, um, I mean, if, if we can inspire, even if it's, you know, over, over the time, if we can inspire one, one every show, then... Fantastic, you know. It's um, yeah, that's what it's all about. Yeah. I mean that that's that was the whole idea of the venture, wasn't it, mate? It was sit down, have a bit crack on, and and if people enjoyed, enjoyed it, and what have you. We also had a one from uh, Nigel Williams, and he is connected with the annual England and Scotland game, which Gary Hood used to look after many, many, many years ago. And they are trying to raise uh, of six thousand pound for ambitious about autism. Now we, we did put a link on the Facebook page for any donations because they've set up a a fund justgiving.com fundraising page um, and what they're asking you to do is to raise a drink and say cheese to balls and donate possibly £3 or more if you wish he reckons it would take 2,000 of us in three days to hit the target um, and I just thought it was a worthy cause for us to to advertise verbally on the podcast mate. Without a doubt yeah Nigel's a great lad um, and a great cause and like you say because of the circumstances uh, the money won't have been able to be raised because the game hasn't been able to take place so if, if we 
we can't do what we can to help, then all the better. Um, and it still means that the funds are going to a great cause and uh, they're not missing out. Yeah, I, I think they've raised just under 3000 at the minute. Um, so if we'll, we'll put another link on the, the podcast page so people can actually go on and, and donate if they wish. But Fantastic. A- anything would help. And before we go, mate, we passed a milestone actually just shortly after we, we did show number 12 where we got the email saying that we had we passed 5,000 listens. We did. And we did, and up to 6,008, I think, when I last looked this morning. We're not going to be uh, we're smashing Hollywood in any time in the near future, but for us, it's just fantastic that we've had 6,008 people who have wanted to tune in and wanted to listen to what we do, and, and I, I'm sure you feel the same. I take so much from it. Yeah. Um, if we can continue to do that, and average, I think we're averaging about four to 500 a show, yeah. um, listeners, continue to do that for as long as it takes and you know i'd be a, I'd be a very happy person i think it's um, it's a great thing for us and uh, and, I, and i love it it gives us a buzz every time mm-hmm. i have a look and see that people's actually taking the time to tune in and have a listen yeah i, th- I think it's 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 probably gone better than we possibly envisaged mate at the start we knew there was a market but the way people have responded it's been tremendous mate the way it's been taken in, in the spirit that it's meant to be it might be six thousand yet but uh, people downloading just to try and work out what we're saying like because um, well it could I, th- I actually think they're downloading Lee and Ellie mate I think, that's, <laughs> I think and the number of people that have asked for me to do the Welsh League results and <laughs> we get back I've got no idea why I don't know I think there's a campaign going out or somewhere <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, but anyway, mate, that's that's the number thirteen over with. It's been uh, been good. I've enjoyed the chat with Stuart. He's yep. a, he really really is a nice lad. Um, no, he's, he's a top bloke, and um, it, yeah, it's it's been nice to to just chat about some of the things that um, I mean I've known Stuart for years but a couple of things he's talked about this morning I knew nothing about so it's um, great to hear um, and again you know we've been able to provide something which is going to be essential for clubs as well having George on the show given some fantastic information about where clubs can go to for help um, and, and what they can focus on before we get back out in the greens. Yeah, even opening up old wounds about that Commonwealth Games drop to six. I'm sure we put something on the Facebook the other week about you'll never get a six out of that. <laughs> And, and, uh, and then for Graham, his mate, to tell him that it's been uploaded onto YouTube, the full game. <laughs> it's not like Graham neither, like, because Graham's really, usually quite reserved and doesn't really usually say it much like, but... Um, I've, I've uh, heard on the grapevine that he's actually going to invite Stewie around for a 55-inch TV viewing of us. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm sure he'll enjoy that. Yeah, anyway. Pints, but he'll not care. <laughs> he probably don't, no, I don't care, man. Couple of beers, that'll, that'll do him. That'll do him. <laughs> but anyway, it's been a good one, mate. Watch what you're doing. You Have, too. Everybody, watch what you're doing, and uh, we'll see you soon. Fantastic. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening, and hope you've enjoyed the show. This has been a dodgy production.